If I don't come back, I want to make sure my parents are okay, my siblings are okay, and certainly my family's okay. And In this episode, doctors Peter and Laura Ree share their experiences as a military family. Both physicians at Mayo Clinic Rochester, Peter also served as a major in the U.S. Air Force. They discuss deployment, the challenges that face military families, and support for each other. I knew that I wanted to join the military. My dad was in the military, and it's just everything that the military stands for, the good things, the sacrifice for your country and doing what's right for everyone in the world. Those things were things that I always wanted to do, but distinctly remember when I was in college, sitting sitting there in the cafeteria at breakfast, and I remember this classmate of mine ran through the cafeteria door and said, the World Trade Center is under attack. Just like everyone else that's probably listening now, it's, it was a defining moment, I think, in our culture where you'll never forget where you were when you heard that. And I remember at that point, I knew I wanted to go to medical school, and it's just it just kind of solidified the fact that um, you know that I wanted to join so that I could help in any capacity. A lot of people ask me what it's like to be a military spouse, and it's really hard to sum that up in a few words, but I always say it's one of the hardest and scariest times that you'll face, but it's also a time of a lot of growth and learning. And I think ultimately it comes down to that you love your husband or wife who's serving in the military. You love your country and you're proud to support them. And I think for me personally as well, it made me a lot more aware and appreciative of the freedoms that we have. I think from my standpoint, being a service member, there's times when you feel so helpless because you're following the orders of someone else and you feel like you're dragging your your family through all the emotions and different places that you have to travel. And it was always reassuring to know that you were always supportive and never made me feel bad for doing the things I felt were right for our country and our family. Um, and for that, I'll always be grateful. Peter's last deployment was to Afghanistan, and it occurred um, right before we ended up moving here to Rochester. And we knew it was coming. We had been expecting this deployment for some time. But when you finally hear that your husband is headed to Afghanistan, it's still hard to prepare for that. The other thing that was hard that I think you can never fully prepare for is trying to prepare your kids for the deployment. Our kids were three and four uh, when Peter deployed. And so they were quite little, and it was difficult to get them to understand what was happening. Until I heard you say that, Laura, I didn't even think about, obviously, I was concerned about how you would manage with these kids at home and, you know, me being so far away. But I'm sure that you went through quite a bit of worry and and that's something that I completely neglected because I was just thinking about the things that I had to do to get ready to deploy. So um, you, you handled it as gracefully as possible because I never felt that stress from you. I think 
The hardest part for me was the day that you left, actually. It was your birthday? It was my birthday. You left for deployment on my birthday. And since you left in the middle of a deployment cycle, we had to drop you off at the airport. And I just remember wanting to make that process actually as fast as possible because it was so emotional. And I knew if we lingered, it was just going to be a bad thing and bad for the kids. And But part of me didn't want to walk away. So I remember, though, driving driving out of the airport and looking in my rearview mirror and watching you walk into the airport. And that was really hard. Yeah, I remember that. I think that to this day in my, I guess, parenthood life or just in my life, that was one of the saddest days I can remember. Because I remember the kids, we picked them up from school early and I played with the kids as if it was another day. And I just knew at five o'clock I was not going to see you guys for a long time. And you're right. I remember we were trying to, if it was just us saying goodbye, it would have been much different. But with the kids, I don't think they quite fully understood at that point. I remember when we got to the airport and William got out of the car and I gave him a hug and he's like, bye daddy. And I was, and I, <laughs> I didn't want to let go because I just knew I'd miss him so much. I think one of the hardest things that uh, you missed while you were gone was William's birthday. Our son turned five while Peter was deployed and Peter and William are very close. They're practically the same person. So I think it was a little difficult, but we tried to change that around into being a positive thing. So we sent cake. We baked cake into mason jars and mailed it to Afghanistan. I was half afraid I was going to give everyone food poisoning, but I think you all survived. We all survived. (laughs) But we sent plates and birthday napkins, and uh, the guys had a birthday party in Afghanistan while we FaceTimed. And so William was very excited. He's one of the only kids he knows that had a birthday celebrated halfway around the world. And that that was the really nice thing when I was there. It was mostly with other physicians and surgeons who were in the same age group and no matter what we were doing and I think that night we were really busy but that was the only chance to have this FaceTime birthday party and they all knew and they all dropped everything and put on the hats that you sent (laughs) and had the Power Ranger plates and we had this FaceTime because they they just all understood the sacrifices on your family and mm-hmm. those cakes were really good. It's amazing <laughs> what a lot of frosting will do. I distinctly remember being able to FaceTime with the kids when I was going to bed. They were wake, you guys were waking up. And when our oldest daughter, she was three, and I just really missed her, and I wanted to talk with her, and and she was running around playing, and I remember she stopped by the computer, and and maybe it was her way of just acting out, but she looked looked at me straight in the computer, and, and I said, don't you want to talk to Daddy? And, and she just said, no, I don't love you. And I remember being so far away <clears throat> that, um, yeah, it's, uh, that was heartbreaking. I remember I... I cried that night. 
it was it was tough because I know that she probably now has forgotten that, but at that time it was I'm sure it was tough on everyone at home. Well, she's definitely forgotten it because she's a daddy's girl for sure. It's because I give her candy. <laughs> and the other thing I'm grateful for is that um, when when I was gone, all these things happened, and you would actually tell me everything after you had handled everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not uh, oh, the water heater broke. What should I do or whatnot? But it was more oh, last week the water heater broke. <laughs> we have a new one. Yeah, we have a new one. Or, or well, we just painted the whole house or fixed all this for the move. And I remember just feeling so helpless. Um, all I could do was send Amazon gifts. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that we tried to do for the kids um, was to really educate them on the deployment. And so we created what we called a daddy wall. And it had a map with a a pin in it where Peter was located in Afghanistan. And it had a clock on the wall that had Peter's time and then lots of pictures that he would take and send to us. So the kids were constantly looking to see what time is it where daddy is? Is he sleeping? Is he awake? Peter also gave them a couple of books and one in particular was um, about this star that the deployed parent blows to their kids every night and then the kids blow it back the next night. And every night that Peter was gone, we read that book and they loved it. They would never pick a different book. The other thing the kids really enjoyed was sending care packages to Peter. And initially I had thought we would send one about every two to three weeks, but they loved it so much we ended up doing weekly care packages. And the kids had so much fun coming up with different themes and As long as it was within reason, I let them just pick out whatever they wanted to send. So I'm sure he got some very interesting ones. A lot of Legos. A lot of Legos. William put a lot of Legos in there with the intent that Daddy would bring them home to him. Those were the highlight when I would walk by the post office where they'd have your boxes and always to see these care packages that were really nicely decorated. It was, you could feel the love, which, which I certainly did when I needed it the most. And I'd say the most shocking thing for me that I experienced was that, you know, I like to think I'm still young and we have a young family. So I, I, I don't think about my own mortality very much, but then just as part of the process to deploy, they have to make sure that you have, you know, your dog tags in case you get injured, your blood type, your will, your life insurance, everything going through all that paperwork and it made me realize that um, you know I just had to be prepared and so then that was a emotion that I guess I never really thought about because I thought you know well of course I'm gonna live till I'm a hundred or something like that and then and then thinking about well I guess if I don't come back I want to make sure my parents are okay my siblings are okay and certainly my family's okay and it's uh, I think probably a lot of people even not in the military don't even think about that and are not prepared. I would just encourage people to reach out to military families that they know, especially ones that have a parent deployed or a spouse deployed. Um, Those families just need a lot of extra support and a lot of just logistical help. And they may not always ask for it because a lot of times military spouses are taught to really be 
self-reliant, but that doesn't mean they, they don't need help. I think you nailed it in the sense that military families will tend to try to suffer and deal with it on their own. And that maybe just speaks to the resilience of military families and, and their spouses. I also would encourage people that if they know of anyone that's in the military and they get wind of them having to mobilize, just to reach out to them. Because something that I think most military families won't ask for, but again, it's definitely needed. And I know that when I was gone and having my friends say, oh, we have... We're having your family over for dinner, or we just step by, stop by to check in on them. It, it mm-hmm. made me feel good because, as a husband and a father, I felt so helpless. Mm-hmm. So, meals are always a great option. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Our kids were so young that I felt like they would forget all of this, and I remember even going to our oldest daughter's Veterans Day event that they had at their school and I don't know if it was a surprise or not but I went up there and then the teacher said uh you know your daddy was in the military uh why don't you go up there and stand next to him as he talks about what he went through and I just remember our daughter walking up in front of the class and holding my hand and just that look on her face it's I I guess as much as a four-year-old could have pride I guess like I felt that, and I'll never forget that. And that's something that I hope I never lose. Military veterans and their family members are an important part of the Mayo Clinic workforce and our communities. The Mayo Employee Resource Groups provide opportunities for you to connect with veterans and support military families. If you know of anyone in the military, reach out, offer support, express your gratitude, and maybe drop off a meal.